Hi, this is Austin Anderson. I'm the lead pastor of Tekoa Church. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Tekoa Church exists to see people connect to God, to find and live out their purpose. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and draws you closer to God. Well, my name is Austin. I'm the lead pastor of Tekoa Church. If we have not met, I would love to meet you after service. And we just want to let you know that if you are here looking for God, He is here in this place already. And we are so grateful that we get to be in a space and we serve a God and we worship a God that meets with us. And so um, if you're here for the first time, I'd love to meet you in the coffee lounge after service. We have a free gift for you as well. Um, And... uh, Yeah, I'm excited for what God's going to do today. We're in a series um, called Seven. We're looking at seven deadly sins, the seven sins that the early church got together and said, you know what, pretty much everything we do that is against God can be brought to the foundation of these seven things. And so if we root out these seven things, not we, but if we let God root out these seven things from our life, um, we will lead to a life that is good that if we leave these things in our life, they lead to death. That's why they're the deadly sins. They lead to death. But if we let God root them out, it's life that we get to live. We get to live in the goodness, the hope, the joy of God. It's not a series of making you feel horrible about like how much of a sinner you are, if you're like me and I'm a sinner. I think all of us here are. But it's about if we let God deal with these things in our life, we get to live in the freedom um, apart from them. So I'm jumping in this morning. Our topic is greed, and I had a subtitle in there that we are generous and not anxious. But our, t- our ser- series this morning um, is, our, our, our topic this morning is greed. Um, and, um, you know, you can't live for God and money. And it's true that where you spend your money will show you where your values are are, and it will show you what your God is in life. If you look at your bank account and you spend your money on travel, or you spend your money on all on your kids, or on the latest technology, or your hobbies, what you spend your money on will show you what your priorities are in life, and it will show you what your God is. And in our passage today, he talks about where your treasure is, your heart is also, right? And where our finances are, that's where our heart is also. 25 percent of Jesus's teaching was around the topic of finances and possessions. It's a lot of his teaching. You know, I was talking with somebody and I'm like, I've preached recently a few times this fall actually already on finances and on serving God. Next week we're going to talk about sex. And like these are New Testament topics. And don't worry, I'm not going to be like Jesus and talk about it 25% of the time. Um, You know, you guys might not appreciate that too much, but it's important that we spend time on these topics as a church regularly because they were close to the heart of God. Why? Because, why did Jesus talk about it so much? Because he knew these were such important struggles and issues in our life. And he also knew the opposite, that if we trusted in these areas, there was so much better that God had for us. So that's what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about greed. In the New Testament, um, the, the Greek word for greed, I looked at kind of what is the definition of this? And it it talks about greed being us holding more for ourselves. It talks about love of money. It talks about desire of more than we deserve. And an insatiable desire for wealth and possessions. That's what greed is. That's what we're talking about this morning. There was one other aspect of it that I thought was really helpful. Greed also 
is being stingy, of not being generous, basically. Um, And it doesn't matter how much you have, whether you have a little or a lot, or you feel like you have a little or a lot. If we are stingy with what we have, that, the root of that is actually greed. I think that's a part of it that maybe some of us don't look at that much. And unfortunately, I think Christians can be the worst at that part of it. Like worse than some of the rest of the world even by being stingy with what God has given to us. And I don't know if you're like me, like sometimes even I go and I like, I'm at the fast food place and like they just like grabbed a sandwich and put it in a bag and like swiped my credit card and then it asked me, do you want to give them a tip? And I think, like, why? Like, I paid for my food, and they really didn't do anything above and beyond. Like, why, like, do they deserve any more of my money? I don't know if anybody else feels a little stingy like I do in that kind of situation. Or, you know, you're out with some friends, and, and you know, are they always the ones that offer to pick up the tab, and it's never us? Because, you know, we have more important things to do with our finances. And whether you have a lot or a little... You know, some of those things might be out of your reach, and that's okay. But whether you have a lot or a little, we can be generous or we can be stingy with what we have. And I have seen people with a little that are super generous, and I've seen people with a lot that are really generous. Um, And it doesn't matter how much we have, it matters what we do with what God has given us. So greed is, by definition, I'll throw this up there, an insatiable desire for more and keeping more for yourself, often to do with possessions and finances, but in general just about it's focused on self and more for self. Now the opposite, not the opposite, but not being greedy is being content with what you have and what God has given you. And you know that's helpful, right? If I'm not greedy but I'm just, I'm content, like that's, that's part way there. The opposite that's really helpful is generous. That's what the opposite of greed is. If you're generous, you are not being greedy. And so to move from, gener- from greed to generosity is what I want to talk about this morning. And this message is not a, you know, if, if you're, you give more, you'll get more finances in life. Sometimes it happens, but that's not a promise of God. What God promises is that if you give more, you and are generous with what you have in your life, that you will be more like Jesus. That's what this message is about. And he promises that if we're generous and we're more like Jesus— that he will always provide a way for us, even as we just sung about, right, that our foundation is healthy. So let me remind us why we're talking about this, the reason for this series. If you follow Jesus, the Bible says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Put off your old nature that's sinful. We all have that. And then today we're talking about greed that we're called to put off. Let the Holy Spirit renew your way of living. The key is you can't do this just on your own power. It's not muscle down and just be a less greedy person. We need the power of God to help us to do this and put on our new nature that's holy and righteous. And today we're talking about generosity. So let me tell you, before we get to the scripture, one more thing I want to tell you. I want to tell you about my toe last week. And I promise this has to do with greed. So last week, it was Thursday, and I got a little exercise, and I was running around for like an hour, and everything was good. And I was playing pickleball. Some of you know I like to do that. And I jumped up, and I took an amazing shot and won the point for our team. And I felt so good about life until I landed, 
because when I landed, it felt like somebody took a nail and drove it into my big toe as hard as they could. And I crumpled to the ground and just was so confused as to what had happened. Right? I had been, I had shoes on. I, there was nothing through my shoe, and I'd been running around for the last hour, and everything was good, and it just felt horrible. I took my shoe off. My sock was gone in that part. There was blood, and I, I, had, I limped back to my car, and I got home, and I tried to clean it out, and I couldn't see anything in there. I got my dad. I'm like, okay. Like, he grabs a magnifying glass, and he can't see anything in my toe, and I'm like, maybe it's just a really bad cut. I don't know how it happened, but it's so painful. Like, okay, let me treat it and bandage it, and we'll check tomorrow. Maybe we'll figure out what's wrong with it, or maybe it's just cut. And we looked, and I couldn't find anything in there. So I'm like, maybe it's just a bad cut, and I just need to wait it out, and it'll get healed. And so I start, I wrap it, and then I, like, supporting wrap, and then I, like, I hold my toe up by wrapping tape around that toe and then other toes on my foot so that I didn't walk on it. And I'm, like, walking funny for three days. We went on this you know, family adventure, and I'm like limping along, and then my other leg starts hurting because I'm not putting pressure on the toe as much as I can, because every time I did, just excruciating pain. And then Sunday morning comes around, and I'm like praying, okay, God, like, I got to preach today. I'm going to preach either way, but it would be really nice if I didn't have this pain when I preached today. I said, Let, let's give it one more shot. I usually carpool in with my parents, so I went over to their house. I said, Dad, can you check one more time? And he starts looking, and I see him grab the tweezers, and then he starts, like, grabbing something there, and I'm like, that skin that's, like, torn off, and it's really painful. Don't touch that. And he's looking, and he's grabbing, and I'm about to pull away because I just don't trust what my father is doing in that moment. And he, all of a sudden, I see him grab it and pull it, and I'm ready for the most excruciating pain that I could ever imagine, and all of a sudden, it feels better. And what I thought was a piece of skin that was stuck there was a giant piece of glass, that had been on my toe for three days, every time I walked on it, grinding in a little bit more. And I think greed, like, right, when I talk about finances, even in church, you see everybody like, all right, this one, like, we'll make it through, and then next week it'll be, you know, different. Like, we're afraid that, like, what the Father is going to do when we come to Him. And we see Him go for the greed in our life, or the finances in our life, and we think, God in heaven, our Father, do I really trust you to take this to, to work on this. And we think it's going to be so painful and it's going to be horrible to have him deal with it. But it's a little bit like my toe. We let him deal with it in our life and it's not as bad as we think. And we start to live with generosity. And instead of compensating by walking funny and living with greed for, the, for our lives, he removes it. And instead of having less, we have more in our lives. We go for, with more. So I want to jump into our passage, Luke, this morning, but before we do, turn to somebody and tell them that they're greedy, because we're all greedy people. If you don't have somebody, you can tell me I'm greedy. Pastor's greedy too. I struggle with this too. All right, we're all greedy people. That's okay. We've got Jesus. He's coming. There's good news at the end of the sermon today. So Luke chapter 12 is what we're looking at. I'm going to get into it, but I'm not going to read the whole thing, so I just want to give you background. Right before this, Jesus talks about not worrying and being anxious and having fear in life. He talks to his, the disciples and the people about that. Then he says, follow me and trust in me and trust in the Holy Spirit, not the things of this life. And if things get difficult, just turn to the Holy Spirit and he will help you through with what you need. But if you turn your back on him, he's going to He's not going to be with you anymore. And so you have to put Jesus first. That comes right before this. And then we get to our passage, and then he comes back to fear and anxiety at the end. So I just wanted to set you up for what we're going to do today. 
my first point this morning is don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. If, if the Bible says not to be a fool and Jesus says in this parable of this is what a fool did, I take note because I don't want to be a fool. Um, I would take note, this is, this is what I want to eliminate from my life if Jesus says this is a foolish thing to do. So verse 13 says, Someone in the crowd said to him, this is Jesus, they said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to them, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? So Jesus is asked to be a judge. Now this is weird to us, but it's normal for them. Jesus was a rabbi, a teacher of the law. The, the, religion, the religious law and the law of the people was together. So this was normal for the rabbi to be a judge in a legal situation like this. And we see that it was probably the younger brother coming to Jesus because the older brother inherited everything. And the older brother was responsible for giving the other people in the family the smaller portion, but their portion. And they probably weren't doing what they were supposed to do. So the younger brother says, hey, I'm justified. Help me get what's rightfully mine because I can't on my own. And then Jesus responds and says, take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And it's just like Jesus. He doesn't answer the guy's question directly. And this is what happens, I think, in our lives a lot of times, too. He says, you're asking me about your life question, but there's a deeper problem in your life, and that's what I care about first. You need to deal with this first. And I think for us, a lot of times, I see that as well. If we don't deal with the root problem in our life, it doesn't matter if we get a favorable outcome on some of just the practical things in life, because the root isn't dealt with. You want favor in your house, or your job situation, or your court situation, or your financial situation, whatever it is, and God says, yeah, if I granted you that, that's great for a moment. You might have a little bit more money, but it won't matter because there's something deeper that isn't fixed. And you need to let me heal that thing first before I deal with the surface level problem that seems to occupy our thoughts. God wants to get at the root of what's going on in your life because if you get the root fixed, it will take care of all the other problems too. I also want you to see he uses the word here, guard against greed, and this is really important because guarding is active. It's not a one-and-done kind of thing. We guard for the rest of our lives. That's the bad news this morning. Even if you let him deal with greed for the rest of our lives, we need to guard against it. We need to pay attention. The number one way that we do guard against greed is by being generous. By being generous, it helps keep us from getting greedy again in our lives. And he, Jesus seems to warn in the New Testament, but especially Jesus, he, he warns us that if we have a lot of possessions, which most of us sitting here in America do, it's harder for us to be generous. It's harder for us to follow God. And so we need to be on our guard against greed because it's so easy as an American to be greedy. It's practically built in to what it means to be an American. So Luke verse 16 says, he told him this parable, the land of a rich man produced abundantly and he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. Do you know, in the U.S. alone, this year, the storage industry is a $40 billion industry. With a B, billion dollars every year that we pay as Americans to store our stuff. That is insane. Now, I'm not speaking, 
you can have a good reason to have a storage unit. There's like purpose for that. The church has one because we need a place to store some of our stuff, right? The, it can be a good thing, but we often have so much stuff that we need more space to store it. We get why this guy wanted more space to store it. He's like, I got more. Let me protect it and store it more. And as a side note, we need to be a good steward of what God has given to us. It's a whole separate sermon I could preach but I'm not saying in this, don't plan for the future, don't save, don't have insurance, don't have a 401k, be a good steward and plan. But I think what's really important is, I think a lot of that is like our house that we built. It protects us from the elements, it helps support us in life, it's wise to be smart with our finances and our possessions. But if we built it like the song we sang, if we build it like the, what Jesus said in the parable, if we build it on sand, it doesn't matter how nice of a house you build it's going to get wiped out when the storm comes. If we build it on the rock, it will stand when the storm comes. And I think it's the same, right? It's important that we build the house. We can't just expect, well, we're sitting on the rock. God will take care of all of it. Like, we should do our part on top of the rock, but make sure your focus and your foundation is on the rock and not something else in your life. Matter of fact, this week, I started thinking about this because this week I had to renew some of my insurance. And that's what made me think of it. Like, this is just some of my insurance. Like, it's prudent, it's smart, but I'm like, man, I've got health insurance, I've got disability insurance, I have auto insurance, I have home insurance, I have um, ring insurance, I have umbrella insurance, I have like all of these things. I was like, next thing I'm going to need shoe insurance, and then I looked it up, and it's a thing. And it, the first thing that came up on Google is why and how to protect your sneaker collection. And it's insurance for your sneaker collection. Now, I don't have a sneaker collection. I'm not one of those guys. Um, but it's really a thing. But I also thought, as I went down that rabbit hole, I thought, you know what, when it comes to finances and generosity, like, maybe we should just take a, a note out of Nike's book. And sometimes we just need to do it. Like, just do it. We just need to be generous and take that step. And then it will follow after that we'll see God's provision in our lives and we'll see that this is the right thing to do. I know some people, they'll take a 90-day challenge, and they'll say, you know what, God, I'm going to, for 90 days, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to evaluate at the end of 90 days, how is it going? Do I have more, um, less worry in my life? Do I have more faith? Do I have more joy in my life? Or has it been a bad 90 days? And just do it and see what God does for us. Verse 19 says, I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. There is a tie to our soul and to greed. These go together. And greed seeks to fill our soul and our life. We think that by storing more or by spending more, that we will be more content in life. The answer to our soul's desire is God. The answer to our soul's longing, as Jesus is going to say in a minute, is God's kingdom. The answer is generosity to what our soul longs for and not greed, but we try to fill it with greed. And I think also the, the man missed an important point here. We need to enjoy what God gave to us. It's not about having nothing and hating life because you're just like, give everything to God. There is a, like, it's good to enjoy what God has blessed you with. And this man was trying to just store it all for some future time and not enjoy the good parts of life now. And if we just try to store it for later, if we try to, oh, you know, I'll be generous later, I'll enjoy life later, I'm just, my head down now, then it's just going to be like this guy. We get to the end of life, and it says, he said he's going to um, 
enjoy life now, and then he, he, right in that moment is when he dies. And if we just wait for later, we won't get to enjoy what God has for us now, right? What did I say? Contentment is not being greedy. We need to be content with what God has given us and enjoy it. Life is good. Food is good. There's so much good that God has given us. We need to enjoy it now, not just save it for later. By not enjoying it, I actually think we're being greedy and we're being fearful. So we need to enjoy what God has given us in life. So verse 20, but God said to this guy, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich towards God. There it is. It was the warning at the beginning. Jesus calls him a fool. Don't be like the fool that then just dies right after this. Generosity goes the same way. We can't wait to be generous later in life. I meet a lot of people, and they say, I will be generous when? Something happens. Something changes. I get a certain amount saved up. Jesus doesn't say to the widow who gives her last two coins, you should have waited to be generous until you had an emergency fund and you were okay. He applauds her and says that God will take care of her. You know, it doesn't matter if we've been able to live, my wife and I, we've lived on, I've preached this before, but we've lived on $400 a month and we've lived on much more. And all of those times we've been generous and we've seen God be faithful during it. We need to be generous no matter where we are at in life and God will provide for us. The man finally feels like he has enough upon his death and what happens? He goes to heaven and you know what? There are no trailer hitches behind hearses because we can't take anything with us to heaven. Don't be a fool. Don't be greedy. All right. What comes next? He says, don't be anxious or fearful either. All these things we're not supposed to do. Don't worry. We're going to get to good news too. Actually, I think this is a good news. Let me read it first and I'll tell you why. And he said to his disciples, Jesus, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on for clothes. Jesus commands not to be anxious and, right, that's something we're supposed to do, but I, I also think this is good news for us. Because if Jesus tells us not to be anxious, it must be possible not to be. And the Holy Spirit allows us to live in a life that is not fearful, and it is not anxious as well. Because nobody, right, nobody wants to live with fear and anxiety in their life, yet this is one of the things that most people in our world are anxious about, is finances. And this theme of fear and anxiety and sin has been prevalent in our series. I didn't plan it this way. I wish I did. Like, that would be, like, great. But this is, this is God, I definitely think, saying something to our church. Because each week as he's led me to the passage, the scripture for the week, there's a correlation between sin and fear and what God is doing. And I feel like so many of us were on the sin and fear wheel that fearing leads to sin, we looked at that, and sinning leads to more fear, and we're on this hamster wheel of sin and fear to just keep us going in life. And what Jesus wants to do is he wants to take us to a different way of living, of trust and faith and joy and the goodness of God and to enjoy life. And he wants to move us from here to over here, but we need to trust him and let him move us over there. Because Jesus says, for life is more than food and the body for more than clothing, right? What Jesus is getting at, and he's about to say in the next verse, our priorities need to get correct. Our priorities matter. It's about God and his kingdom is what he's about to say. That's what matters. 
And I counsel people all the time, and what I've, I've found is that something, you know, some bonus content for this morning, the thing Allie and I did at the beginning of our marriage that we didn't even realize how important it was going to be for us is we intentionally set out our priorities in life. And we said, you know what's number one? God. Not each other, God. For her and for me, God needs to be first. Whether you're single or married, you can still do this. God needs to be first in your life above everything else. Number two comes family. The first part of family is my spouse, then 2.5 is my kids, and then the rest of my family comes after that. And that's how we organize our priorities. Third comes our ministry and our calling. Now that's my job, but we all have one of those. God has a calling for you and a ministry for you to do in, in your workplace, in your family, in your life. God has for all of us, but we need to organize those things in order to keep us correct. God, family, and then our ministry and calling. And then four, five, six, however you want. Whatever you want to do with the rest, you know, pay attention to what God has for you, but there's, there's however you want to organize it. Jesus says, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more value are you than the birds? It's kind of harsh. If you're worrying about what's going to come and where your food's going to come from, what you're going to eat, what the future, right? You know, we, we talk about money. The world calls it bread, right? Like, you got to get more bread. And if you're worrying about it, God says, not even the birds do that. He's saying you're, you're less, you're more foolish than a bird if you are doing this. Don't worry. He provides. Does, do you believe that God says you are valuable? Do you believe that God will provide for you and he wants good for you? This is what he wants. Seek the kingdom first. This is where it finishes. This is where it wraps up. Do not keep striving for what you are to eat and what you are to drink, and do not keep worrying, for it is the nations of the world that strive after all these things. And your Father knows what you need. Instead, strive for his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. This is the thesis this morning. This is the thesis, the punchline, what he says. Don't keep worrying. Don't keep fearing. God knows what you need. Do you think he won't take care of you? Instead, put your priorities right. The kingdom of God first. So why the tithe in the church is the first 10%, not with what's left over in your life, because it helps you put your priorities right. And it's why I don't fear inviting you to tithe and give your offering here at Tekoa, because I know that it's good and that God is going to take care of you. I also know because for ourselves and for my life, Allie and I have done this for our whole lives, and we have seen God's goodness in it. It's also why as a church, we also give away, because it's not all about us and what happens in these walls. We're generous of helping start other churches. We're generous about giving away to our community and those doing good work in our community and caring for people, because we are called to put his kingdom first and not us, and it's why as a church we get to live in the faith realm where God provides for us, not, oh, we're just brand new, we have nothing yet, we're a baby church, we just started up. Like, no, this is a principle no matter what you have. You need to trust God with your finances as we have as a church, and you will see his provision as you do it. And our generosity, it doesn't come right from the overflow only, it also often actually comes from the lack. 
My wife, Allie, is one of the most generous people I know. My wife, who works a full-time job, who is a mom of two little children, who basically works another job for free here as a pastor at Tekoa, she makes room in her schedule for others, and her time is a precious commodity for her, but she will make space for people. And she doesn't complain about it. She doesn't, um, you know, she will give it away and be generous, even though it's so precious to her. Because she puts her priorities right. She says, God first, then my family, right? But if I've got those two things, and then there's my calling and ministry available, I will put that over four, five, six that I could spend my time on. Generosity is not just finances. It can be our time, and it can be other things that we hold on to dearly that we don't want to give over to God. He says, do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms, make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Don't be afraid. You want to know what to do? Be generous and then you won't be greedy. Be generous and you will have an inheritance in heaven that is so much better than the inheritance the guy was trying to get in his life. Put your priorities correct. Jesus says, it is better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. If you're feeling not good enough today or not good enough in this series, I have good news for you. That's step one. It's not the end goal but actually it is step one. Because we need to realize that, you know what, we are not good enough on our own. That we are all broken, as we said at the beginning, right? We're all greedy, we're all sinners. And that's okay, but it's not okay to stay there. We need to recognize that we need some help. We need some help to get from the wheel over here of fear and sin and fear and sin and anxiety and sin. We need to get out of this wheel, and the only way to do that is with the help of Jesus to get over to the wheel over here where we can live in faith and trust and hope and joy and peace. And right, who doesn't want to live here, but we need help to get there because you know what, we're all broken and we're sinful, and Jesus came, he lived a perfect life where we couldn't, and then he went to the cross and didn't let fear keep him from there, but he trusted God, and he went to the cross and said, you know what, I will take the payment what they deserve for their sin is death, and so I will take that instead for them, even though I don't deserve it because I didn't sin. And he took that death on his shoulders, and he died, and he went into the grave for three days, but that death couldn't hold him because he didn't have any sin, and so he rose to life three days later. And what God wants to do is he wants to take us. He wants to take us from that wheel of fear and sin and anxiety, and Jesus is the bridge to get us over to the wheel of life and goodness and grace and generosity and hope, and life, and joy over here, and the Holy Spirit is the one that then keeps us in this wheel and keeps us from falling back over here. And the good news is, whether you've lived your whole life over here, or you feel like you've fallen back over here because of what's happened recently, Jesus wants to take you back and put you over here, and the Holy Spirit wants to be with you. All we need to do is just, it says, believe in Him, and confess in Him, and He will do that work in our lives. And so I want to invite you to bow your heads and to pray with me right now. Whether you want to put your faith and hope in Jesus for the very first time and say, God, I, I want that. I want the joy in my life. Or whether you, you maybe want to just recommit to letting the Holy Spirit keep you there and live there and not live with the anxiety and the fear. Or you need Jesus to, to just bring you back again. All you need to do is trust. Just echo these words in your heart. Jesus, 
I am a sinner. And I need your help. I believe you lived. I believe you died. And I believe you rose again. And Jesus, I choose to make you Lord of my life. And God, I pray that we would just grow in our generosity as a church and as individuals. And God, I just pray for our people. I pray that as we trust you with generosity, I pray that there would be so much joy, there would be so much blessing, so much goodness that you pour out as we trust in you. God, we give this to you. Amen. We are called to be generous and not greedy. We've been in this series sharing stories and testimonies from people in our church that struggle with these these sins. Every single week we have a different person sharing their story, and so I want to invite you this week. I'm really excited you get to hear the story of my wife, Allie, and how God has dealt with some of the greed in her life. So if you guys want to turn your attention and watch her story. My name is Allie, and my husband Austin and I are the lead pastors of Tekoa Church, and we have two daughters, Hannah and Riley. I grew up in a home that taught me about God and about Jesus, uh, but faith was not really a serious part of my life until I got to high school and I was part of a Christian club at my public high school and started to go to church more and read my Bible more and just dive deeper into my faith and from there I ended up going to a Christian university and just continuing to grow in my faith and who God was calling me to be and how he wanted me to live out my faith and I realized more and more it wasn't this just belief system of uh, yeah, of what I believed, but it was really living out my faith on a day-to-day -day basis and how God wanted to use me to impact his kingdom. To be honest, when Austin asked me to share on this topic, I thought, you know, I'm not really that greedy of a person. Um, but then I really realized that I am, um, and I have been, and I, as I reflected on my own journey, I even realized in my tithing how um, when I was newer in my faith and younger, that wasn't something that I had fully committed to God. I was giving money to the church, um, but it definitely wasn't the 10% or above that that God calls us to give. And it was more of an afterthought, something I was doing because I knew I was supposed to. Um, and as I really started to grow in my faith and explore more of what tithing was and what it meant to be a person who was generous, I realized that God wanted me to be giving more. Um, and it's something that Austin and I have really made uh, a foundational part of our marriage and our ministry together is being people who are generous and tithing. Um, and it's really transformed my faith in so many ways. I mean, I feel like there's definitely areas where I have uh, been fearful of whether or not we would have enough. And it wasn't necessarily that I felt like I wanted more money. It was that I wanted to have enough to be able to provide for my family and, and just the things in life and maybe this fear that I wouldn't. Um, and so I definitely feel like there's been seasons where, um, you know, I've, I've seen, um, you know, when I had student loans and, and I had those bills to pay off um, or just different things where, um, you know, I, I questioned, okay, God, are, are you able to provide? Like, I'm not seeing how this is all gonna come together, uh, but time and time again, he has. I think my one perspective that I've had of finances that's really shifted is the fact that 
it's not my money, especially when I first graduated from college and I had my first job. I was so excited for my first paycheck and you know, I was like, okay, this is my money. How am I gonna spend it? You know, I wanna save it. And you know, I was doing good things with my money. It wasn't like I was going and, and wasting it yet. Um, again, I wasn't fully trusting God with it. And I feel like my perspective has shifted and that I see it now as it's all God's money and he's entrusted it to me. I get to play a piece in uh, and be a part of what's gonna be done with that, but ultimately it's all his. And when I know it's all his, I get to be a good steward of what it is that he's given me, um, but it's not mine in the first place. So yes, there's still bills to pay. Yes, there's still needs that need to be met. Um, but I get to help be generous in uh, giving that money to the church and giving that money to other people who might be in need. And now I, I mean, we still look at the number and like look at our budget and finances, but it's so different. I don't focus on that number. I focus just on what God is calling me to do with the money. And it really is something that I'm often amazed at. You know, okay, we've just given so much. How do we still have so much left? Um, and that's just, I've, I've just continued to see God provide in that, that when I trust him with my finances, that he provides more. And sometimes I don't even understand how the money's there, um, but he, he provides it. So I would definitely say I can enjoy life more um, and my finances more because I don't have this fear anymore. When we, especially coming back from doing missions in Costa Rica, I was very conscious of our budget and of the money that we had and it made perfect sense, right? We had just come back from the mission field. We didn't have a lot of money. We were trying to get an apartment and get jobs and all the things um, that you, you do when you come back and set up life. I had a almost a fear of money and spending money and you know we'd go out to a restaurant and I would order the cheapest thing on the menu. Not because it's what I wanted, but because I felt like I couldn't spend money, that I couldn't enjoy it. Um, and now I feel like I have this freedom where I don't have to worry about that anymore. And again, it's it's not because I'm you know spending more money necessarily when I go out to a restaurant, but it's that I, I see the money that God has provided and I see it as something that's His and I, I, He wants to bless us and He wants us to be able to enjoy the blessing that He has given us. And so I think my perspective has just really changed and it's provided a lot of freedom in my life. I don't have the same worry or the same fear that I had before. I, again, I, I first said that I didn't really feel like I was a greedy person and then God quickly showed me that I was. But I also was able to reflect on I think so often we associate greed with money and as I really prayed through what God wanted me to share, I feel like he showed me all the areas in my life that I'm greedy in other ways, that maybe I'm greedy with my time or greedy with my family. Um, and what I mean by that is that I feel like greed is anything that we um, are trying to possess or take hold of or control um, and put in front of God. Um, and for me, sometimes that can even be ministry, that can be my family, that can be my time, uh, where something that maybe is a good thing, um, but anytime I'm putting that before God or having a fear, even like I talked about before, uh, that obviously is not a healthy place to be in. And there's um, a verse in Luke 14 that talks about giving up everything we have. Um, whoever doesn't, is not willing to give up any, everything they have cannot be my disciple. And I was reflecting on that of, you know, am I really giving up everything? Am I willing to give up everything? And um, to be honest, there's times where I have very much held back from God. 
Um, or maybe I've given 99%, but there's still that 1% I'm holding back because of fear, because of want, wanting control. Uh, and I feel like God has really shown me, uh, especially recently, that He wants me to surrender all to Him. And I think of the idea of greed and generosity, and I think of this idea of greed looking inward and looking at ourselves, and generosity looking out and looking to what others might need. Um, and that that would be the way that God wants us to live and how much freedom uh, and joy that we can have in that when we're not focused on ourselves and what we have, but when we're willing to give to others and to what God would want to do to bless their lives. Um, and really the picture that God gave me was um, this idea of an open and closed hand. And so when we're experiencing greed, when we're practicing that sin in our life, our hands are closed. We're not fully surrendering to God. But the minute that we open that up, that we surrender that to Him, that we're generous, we're able to give Him control. Um, and that might be a scary place, that might be a vulnerable place, but God wants to use us to really live out His mission and His call in this world. And so, you know, if our hands are closed, He can't do that. We're, we're trying to control too much, but when we surrender and open to Him, uh, how much freedom we can have in that. Yeah, I mean, I think that generosity, um, when you first start practicing it, it maybe can be a scary thing. Uh, you know, when you're giving that maybe big amount of money, or again, it doesn't have to be money, it could be um, just something that you're surrendering to God that you haven't before, um, whether that be time or your job or your family. And when you give that completely to God, it can be scary at first, but uh, I think that there is so much that we can experience of God's blessing and God's favor and, and I shared before his joy um, when we do that. I know even for tithing now, that's something that we try to be intentional about that we do with the, you know, when we get our paycheck, that's the first thing we do is that we want to, we want to tithe and we want to give that money back to God. And um, it makes me excited to think about what God is going to use that money for to bless his kingdom and to, uh, you know, grow his church. The question that God had really been challenging me with and I felt like other people might benefit from as well is just thinking about in my own life, what is it that I'm holding on to that I'm not willing to give over to God completely or that I haven't given over to him? And even that question from Luke 14 of giving everything to be his disciple, you know, have I given everything? Um, and where are the areas in my life that maybe I haven't that God is calling me to give over that greed this week and, you know, become a more generous person in that area. Yeah, that's such a good question, and I want to leave you with that as well as a few just application opportunities for you. What is it in your life that you're not willing to give over to God completely? Or what haven't you given over to Him completely? God wants to move us to generosity and not greed, to be filled with peace and not anxiety, um, to be giving and not fearful. Proverbs says, give freely and become more wealthy, be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. True generosity is not self-seeking. So here are some ways that you can maybe apply this today, this week, not even just today. Practice secrecy in your generosity. Do a good deed and make sure no one finds out about it. 
That will tell you if you're being generous or you're doing it for yourself. Generosity, look, look for something to do for, for somebody in, at your work or maybe your family, but try to not be found out in it, to just do it, just to love, just to serve, just to be generous. In a, relate, in a conversation, give as much and listen as much as possible, not about yourself. Your time, do something for somebody that, that needs some help or some time and sacrifice something that you could do in your free time for them. Maybe it's even just giving more away. And I want to invite you to think about this, especially if you have a family or might one day. Do you want your family and your kids to grow up in a home where finances are an anxiety and a worry and a fear and leave a legacy of greed for your children? Or do you want a legacy of generosity and peace with finances in your home? You know, as a family, as I was thinking about this this week, I was inspired to look at how have we been generous. And I went and looked at the finances that I have record of for Allie and I since we've been married for the last few years. And I looked because I was inspired. I heard somebody else and I was talking with Allie. I was like, I wonder if we can make this a goal in our family. I said, what if a goal in our marriage was that we gave away a million dollars before we died. Like, would that be a worthy goal in our family? And we talked about it and we said, yeah, let's make that a goal. Now, not everybody might be able to achieve that goal, but for us, that felt like a stretch. Like, we, we don't have super wealthy jobs, but I, it felt like a stretch that we could do. And that was a legacy we wanted to live, that, God, we're going to give away at least a million dollars in our lifetime. And I looked... We've actually, this year, come up to six figures in the lifetime of our marriage, of giving already in our marriage. And I felt like, yeah, I mean, don't applaud me, but applaud what God has done in our life. It felt like, wow, I already get to celebrate what he's done. That seems like a crazy number of what he's done. And I can tell you the fruit of that, and I, I preach this, not because I, I want you to just like give more, because that's what, you know, the church needs, but man, I feel like we've been so blessed. Allie shared in her, her story, like, we used to, like, worry, and now we just, like, go over the finances, and we're like, I don't know where it comes from, but God always seems to provide, and he's given so much to us. So I want to inspire, uh, invite you, like, what could God call you to do to move to trust? Maybe it's to start tithing um, with your finances. Maybe give God 90 days, like I mentioned before. And you might think, that sounds crazy. Do people really do that? The answer is yes, people really do that. And God really provides when you trust him in that way to give him the 10%. You can do that this morning. Um, you can do that when you get home. You can sign up for reoccurring giving if you want to just make it be automatic so you don't have to fight the greed impulse every single week if that's helpful for you. For you. But that's a great opportunity for you. And I have another opportunity. Maybe you're already faithful in that way. I want to celebrate what God has done as our church has been faithful. We just got the news um, this month that we received a grant of $30,000 for the ministry that we're doing. It's worth celebrating in that. Um, and it's a matching grant. So we raised $30,000 and then this organization is going to um, match that to the ministry of what we want to do this coming year. And I want to invite you to just pray about would, would God be calling you to give an offering of something else towards this to bless the ministry he's doing? 
Our goal for these finances is more outreach events in St. James Park across the street so that we can reach our community. Our goal is to continue to be generous and give some of this away to church planning and other local ministries that are having need and to build opportunities to invite people into experience what God is doing here on Sundays at Tekoa. And so I want to leave you with this. If you feel an impulse, I heard this this week. I didn't come up with this because you know what? I'm a greedy person. And I heard this. I said, if you feel an impulse to give, it's probably the Holy Spirit because I'm not a generous person. And I said, I, f- I feel that. If I feel an impulse to give, I- I'm pretty sure it's not from me. It's from God because I am not a generous person on my own. So we're going to take a time. We're going to spend extended time in just one song of response. We're just going to have one song of response today. And take this time to meet with God. Um, just pray about if there's anything you need to give over to Him. And just make this your, your, your prayer to move. The song is, I will trust. We've sang it before, but I will trust. And move from that wheel of sin and fear and anxiety to the wheel of, I will trust. I will have faith, God, no matter what, what happens. I'm going to trust in you. If you want prayer, I'm going to be in the back with some of the team. We'd love to pray for you for whatever you need prayer for. Um, spend this time worship with us. May this be your prayer. So would you guys stand with us right now? We're going to worship together and just tell God, we trust you above anything in our life. We will trust in you. Thank you for joining us on the Tekoa Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and let God do the work only he can do. We hope it helped you wherever you are at in your faith journey. We want to connect with you if you're going through something difficult or are looking to be a part of our church community. Fill out the Tacoa card on our Connect page, tacoachurch.org connect. While there, you can also see the most up-to-date information in the life of our church. A special thank you to those of you who give to Tacoa. Your sacrifice makes this podcast and our Sunday gatherings possible, as well as creates life change throughout the world. You can be a part of this by going to tacoachurch.org giving can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Until next time, blessings.